Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. Our guest today, Lloyd Pierce, the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, who is one of the rising stars in our profession. Lloyd also was front and center in our education of our coaches to our players regarding social justice, equality, during our whole Black Lives Matters movement prior to the NBA playoffs. And I think you're going to find what a thoughtful, intelligent guy he is and what a great, great message he's delivering to our players and our coaches. So after this quick timeout, we'll be back with Lloyd Pierce. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that into Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. I'm excited today to have the head coach of Atlanta Hawks, Lloyd Pierce, as our guest. Lloyd, welcome, my friend. Thank you, Brendan. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, we've been trying to get this together with the darn, uh, you know, you know, everything when the season stopped, uh, you know, this year. Um, you know, none, neither of us have seen anything like that. Uh, you guys weren't able to be one of the 22 invited into the Orlando bubble, but to, actually you're getting ready to start your own. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's a, it was unfortunate that we were unable to participate in Orlando. I think there, are, as we can all see, there's a lot of beautiful basketball that's going on, a very competitive atmosphere, a lot of team bonding. Uh, you're seeing teams um, that were pretty good in the regular seasons really um, heighten their games in Orlando. And I think it's for, for a variety of reasons, but uh, you know, it's, it's also why we miss uh, that opportunity and why it's disappointing that we didn't get that opportunity. And so, you know, we're going to take advantage and maximize what we have uh, for the next two weeks, which is a, a little mini bubble here in Atlanta and an ability to practice as a team for the first time since the shutdown and, uh, we're looking forward to it. What do you What do you try to accomplish during that time period, Lloyd? You know, it's just it's just getting back to some normalcy. You know, we we've done four or five months of of individual work um, in the weight room and on the court, and it's been really hard. I know guys they go away and they play and they try and figure it out, but it's it's really hard to do so and still be safe and smart. 
And so this just gives us an opportunity as a team to get on the court, do five on five, do three on three, um, you know, really just treat it as a mini camp. And that's what we're going to do, um, you know, correct some things that we know individually we can work on, enhance some things we know as a team we can work on, and just get some team bonding, some, some synergy, some chemistry on the court. And, you know, hopefully use this as a starting stone, a stepping stone for the restart uh, whenever that is. But, you know, we don't want to feel too disconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I am an, I guess my alma mater is the Atlanta Hawks, so to speak. Uh, my first NBA coaching job was with the Hawks, with the great UB Brown uh, as the head coach in 1979 before you were born for crying out loud almost but you know and uh mike Fratello, mike Fratello was this other assistant back then we only had two assistant coaches agm no scouts no advanced scouts no college scouts i had to as had to be on the bench and i had to do college scouting and advanced scouting all as part of my job for a whopping 35,000. I thought I had hit the lottery getting 35 too. But, you know, it, it's, uh, I've lived in Atlanta off and on for almost 40 years. My wife is from there. So I, you know, I truly love the town, love the people, and you have adapted so well. Even though you're a West Coast guy, what it, what was it like coming to Atlanta? I, you know, Philly's a, you know, is a real Eastern urban center, a great town. But what was it like coming to Atlanta? For me, it was great. I mean, obviously, the opportunity and the, and the position aside, uh, you know, I think this is one of the, the top metro cities in all of the country, um, but sp specifically here in the South. It's a unique city um, with the Delta Airport, the hub. Um, it, it gives it the international experience and feel just to fly in here. And, and when you get to this city, uh, especially as a black man, um, you know, this is this is probably one of the most predominantly African-American cities in terms of business and population uh, all across the board. And to be here in the South, uh, to have the history, to have the black excellence and leaders that we've had in our country all reside uh, here in Atlanta. You know, you feel that you feel that presence, you feel that greatness, you feel that support. Um, for this city, people that have migrated here and people that were born here truly love supporting this city as a whole and representing the city. And to feel that, to move here, to be a part of it is, uh, is an unbelievable experience. You know, I, uh, you know, so many of the early civil rights leaders, you know, were friends of myself. I, I drafted and coached Doc Rivers, you know, who's a dear friend of yours. And, and you know, you know, Andrew Young and the great Mayor Maynard Jackson, and who we lost our, our recently deceased, you know, you know, Congressman Lewis. You know, those were guys I knew as a young 27, 28 year old coach in that town. And there was, you were always around great people. And there were, and it was the thing I loved about it when you lived here there you didn't feel any of the racial component that you feel in other cities you know because it, it was very very in the 80s it was a really neat town to be in and and stuff so you know i i just am so happy uh of the things that you're doing on there i would but what i wanted to talk to you about you've had an interesting career where Almost after you started at your alma mater, Santa Clara, with Dick Davey, who I've known for years and a great guy, you know, your career has been entirely in the NBA. 
you know, you know, whether, you know, it's with, you know, Chris Grant and, you know, or with, you know, going to Golden State or Memphis and talk about why, uh, you know, how it was to your journey and how did you make, you know, I always say, and, you know, some of your friends and mine, we talk about, you know, not skipping steps and talk about you didn't skip steps and how you were prepared for when you finally got your opportunity. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think it's an important message that I try and deliver the, the, to, to avoid skipping steps. Um, you know, it's the only path way that I've, I've known. Um, you know, I try to play a little bit after college. And when I knew I was done, I got into coaching. And, you know, for me, that start was in a volunteer role before Coach Davey offered me a full-time position at the collegiate level. And you know, when you're at a mid-major, you have to do a little bit of everything, including running camps, uh, recruiting, uh, player development, game prep. Uh, you know, you're, you're not just a coordinator and, and you're not just stuck in a singular focus. You, you do have to do a lot of different things and wear a lot of different hats. But I, but I think there's a benefit that, to that as well. And, and for me, when I got to the NBA level, you know, I was prepared to, to go through those necessary steps to uh, to learn the league, to uh, learn the coaches, to learn the strategy, to connect with the players uh, before advancing. And so I was grateful for the opportunities that I got in Cleveland and Golden State and Memphis and Philly, uh, but more grateful that each step of the way was a, a, a an advanced opportunity just to do a little bit more. Uh, because I think sometimes people expect more and want more, but aren't ready for more. And, and you can, you can, you know, you can decelerate or you can, um, you know, demote yourself by taking on a responsibility that you're not ready for and losing your credibility. And I wanted to gain credibility. I wanted to earn credibility. You know, Travis Link, your general manager was my video guy with the Orlando magic when Chuck Daly and I were there. And, uh, and I love, you know, his path, you know, to get where he is and he's doing a fabulous job. But one, one of the things that, you know, when he tapped you on the shoulder to come there, what do you think it was that you had that he was looking for? Well, he and I worked together in Golden State. Gotcha. Um, mm -hmm. But I think he knew, you know, what I brought in terms of, just understanding the league, I'd been in a situation in Cleveland where, you know, Mike really helped me grow. And um, I had to jump into a role in Golden State that, uh, you know, they had to fill on the spot midseason. And so it was just an opportunity for me to show a little bit more about what I was capable of doing and, and being able to connect with the players in that short time was um, was important because when he when he inherited the job here in Atlanta, the focus was going to be building through the draft, uh, creating a culture um, that would be championship caliber in, in years down the line. But he wanted to do it the right way. And, and the right way was that culture building, that development enhancing and, you know, that strategizing of, of how to win and how to win with an identity. And so that was extremely important for us um, in connecting, and, and I think that was extremely important for Travis when he decided to reach out to me. You know, when uh, you were in Philadelphia for, was it five years with Brent? Yeah. 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 You know, um, unfortunately, 
you know, I admired Brett so much because, you know, it didn't seem like as an outsider that the plan was to win. You know, it was accumulating great draft choices, et cetera. And I think in a league that is so competitive, uh, you know, to go through a year when you, with every, almost every game, you don't have, you're not favored to win, uh, you know, early on. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To keep your guys' spirits up and et cetera. Yeah, in some situations it is. Um, you know, I, I think you have to align um, your expectations with reality. And I think sometimes on the outside looking in, people people underestimate the value of that. Um, I think we all think every team should win and and want to argue, you know, why aren't they winning or why don't you have the best players or why isn't he good enough? Um, and the truth is, you know, there's only a certain amount of guys that are good enough. And, and so you're constantly striving to find those players, to accumulate those players, to build and develop those players, but that takes time. And so you, you have to really, you have to align what, what winning for you at the time is, you know, we, we can all start every season of every sport and say, realistically, there's only five or six teams that, that have a real shot at winning the championship this year. hundred percent. So yep. other than that, you know, what are those other teams doing? Well, they're winning, you know, improvement is winning um, because you can position yourself for the next great free agent. You can position yourself for your players to be better in year two and three. Um you know, whatever the case may be, and from a business standpoint, you also have to have cap space. You also have the, have the ability to acquire a few uh, tangible parts. And so in Philly, you know, in that job, and Brett did a tremendous job of inspiring our guys to compete. You know, some of those guys were were on rosters, on our roster, you know, fighting for their NBA lives. So sure. the inspiration to work every day was easy because – you know, them, for them, it was they had to prove that they were capable of earning their next contracts. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we also knew we were building through the draft and it was going to take time. Not only do you get a great player, but you have to give that player time to develop and grow. And so, you know, that was winning for us. And I know it's, it's frustrating on the outside looking in, but you can also be on the opposite end of it and say, well, we have a team and we have a roster. We don't really see the upside of this roster, but yet we're stuck. And so you still got to play the season. You still have to deal with that that reality. And there's a frustration, a level of frustration, knowing that there isn't any upward mobility or upper movement with that group. MindView has just become our latest addition as a partner with Coaching You. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. 
The emphasis right now on your player's mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Lloyd, let's talk about building a team, both in Philly and Atlanta. What has to go into the philosophy of it as uh, the head coach and I guess the organization has got to go hand in hand, the alignment there. What is the philosophy then of putting your team together? What are you guys trying to do? Well, I mean, it, it goes without saying you have to have talent. You have to acquire talent. You, you have to have uh, an opportunity to acquire, you know, pretty remarkable special players at some point. Uh, we can have a great team or we can have a good team. We have some good guys. We can have some quality people. <laughs> They're not very talented. We're not going to win a lot of games. Uh, we may play hard. We may do some special things and play together, but we're not going to win a lot of games. And so, you know, when we build through the draft, and that was our focus in both Philly and Atlanta, you know, the main goal is to position yourself to acquire special talent. Um, Philly was able to do that in, in three or four of the drafts, and, and two of those guys are still there. Um, and we feel we've done that extremely well here with, with Trey Young and John Collins and uh, Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. You know, those five first-round picks over the last three years, um, when we were able to start and play all five of those guys together last year, uh, we had an unbelievable net rating uh, with that group, small sample size because of injuries and, and suspensions and things of that nature, but no disappointment in, in those five guys. We think it's special talent. They all averaged double digits last year, and they're all under 23 years of age. And so you start there, and then you just figure, you know, what are some of the intangibles that are important? You want high character uh, people in your organization, people that are driven, people that you know, are, are, are willing to give themselves for others, uh, whether it be their community, the family, or their teammates. Uh, you want highly competitive individuals, and we're, we're, we're working on the growth of our competitive nature because it's been taken away from us during this time. Uh, and so that's going to be a main focus for us in this mini camp and moving forward. Um, and then you want guys that are great teammates, and I think that goes back to the, the character Um you know, as individuals, we may be special and talented, but as a team, can we be a collective unit uh, with the common goal and common purpose? And that's to win. And so we have to be great teammates as well as great talented players. So when you're putting together a style of play, what have you found? Uh, I think it's important. You used the word identity before. I think when you look at the most successful teams and franchises in the league, you know, Miami's one in particular, uh, you know, they have their own identity and, you know, and even the Lakers now have recaptured an identity, I think this year, uh, or started one actually, uh, you know, how, how do you, what, what are the things that you're looking for in the identity of the Hawks teams going forward? Well, I think they, I mean, it's, it's hard to say you're going to create an identity without knowing who your players are. And I think, you know, that's always the challenge is you've got it. You know, we, we still have five spots to fill in our roster, which means I have no idea, you know, the skill level of our players that are coming in still. 
um, for the most part. And until then, then I'll know a little bit more about what we're capable of doing. Um, you know, I think at our level, most guys, you kind of know who they are at this stage. Um, you go through three or four or four or five years and you say, you know what, you're just going to be a specialist. You're, you're a hell of a rebounder. You run the floor extremely well. That's your NBA skill. Some guys are just unbelievable shooters and, and that's it. Why put them in pick and rolls? Let's just put them in the corners or let's move them off the screens. And so you create an identity based on your roster. Players will tell you what type of team you have. Uh, the beauty for me is, is I think I have a, a, a great starting point you know, with an unbelievable point guard and Trey Young, uh, an ultra-athletic and, and uh, talented um, foreman and John Collins who, who's developed and created this additional knack to shoot the basketball from, from the three-point range as well. And then you go down the line and you look at Clint Capella, who we just acquired, who is a specialist. You know, he's a, he's a rim-protecting five-man that finishes extremely well around the basket and uh, defends and protects the rim defensively. We have a couple guys like Kevin Herter who, who shoot it, who shoots it extremely well, but also has an ability to facilitate and create for others. And then two young wings and Cam and, and Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, who I think on the defensive end are going to really uh, help us take a tremendous jump defending perimeters and defending the way the game is being played today uh, with multiple ball handlers and playmakers. Uh, but also both of those guys have the ability to put the ball in the basket as well. So I think we have a we have a tremendous amount of youth and versatility offensively. Um, we've got a couple guys that are making strides defensively, um, but we have an identity right now that we think we can play with anyone offensively. We're just trying to build that that NBA defensive mentality and that team defense, and that's what we again want to accomplish this week is is working on that. Yeah, and I guess really, uh, and I agree with everything you said. I, one of the things I when I went from let's say the Hawks to the Pistons with the bad boys. And when I got there, you know, Isaiah Thomas, I, I you know, just literally told me, you know, uh, hey, we, we expect to win the championship. Okay, good. You, they'd been to the finals the year before. And then Chuck Daly says to me, you know, all I want to do is emphasize, all we do is emphasize defense and rebounding. And I, and like nothing about offense. And, and, you know, and he just said, I don't have to encourage Isaiah and Dumars and Vinnie Johnson to shoot, but I got to get them to defend. And that's really kind of, you know, and, and some teams aren't built like for defense. You know, they're built for, and I think the league is very offensive centric right now. Uh, but, you know, and, and you have a terrific point guard, you know, who fills that that role and stuff. That, you know, that was one of the things, you know, that I was kind of uh, getting to. Uh, for, do you, you know, have you, one thing that's been interesting to me now being a little bit in the college game is that I'm uh, interested and excited to see that several teams are using zone and stuff. You know, did you use any at all this past year? We did. We yeah. did. Um, and even with some hesitation, I've, I've, you know, never been known for being a zone guy, even as a player. Right. Um, you know, one of my strengths was on ball defense. And I prided myself in that and prided myself in, in teaching it as well. Um, but, you know, the way the game has changed and shifted, um, figuring out ways to protect the paint is, is becoming challenging when you have uh, multiple ball handlers and multiple playmakers and, right. and small ball lineups and then the extent to which teams and players are shooting. 
you have to find ways to protect the paint and the zone does slow down offensive teams um, from penetrating and getting into the paint. And also just from a system standpoint, you know, a lot of teams just aren't prepared effectively to handle, you know, how to break down a zone defense. And so it, it's, it was, it was, it was a great opportunity for us to put in a zone. I thought our guys bought into it. I thought our guys performed well with it uh, and really saved us on some games and some possessions uh, where we needed to get a different look to slow down the opponent. Uh, you know, when you see Nick Nurse doing all the things that he has done in the past, you know, year with his matchup zone out of a 3-2 and uh, then, you know, his box in one and triangle in two and stuff like that, you know, I think it's really, you know, as a head coach, you almost have a laboratory to try things defensively because so much of the game is offensively that anything you can do to break their rhythm and disrupt them sometimes is a huge advantage. So I think I think it's just an interesting place where the game is at right now uh the pro game which i think is uh pretty exciting actually you know yeah no it's it's um i go back to philadelphia in the years that we were there uh i don't know if there's any team that tried more um <laughs> variety defenses than, than than we did and, and brett was you know when you when you have a different roster every year <laughs> you're trying to find ways to compete um you know we had we had about five or six full court defenses and traps and, and zone presses and things of that nature. We had kind of every new look out of a timeout that you can come up with. Um, and really our, our goal then was to try it out, but it was also to just, you know, give our players some motivation coming out of a timeout. Sure. You know, what's our one advantage that we can get on this possession. And every time we could draw up something, you know, our, our goal was enhanced, you know, just, just being able to look at different things. And so it, it's been, it's been great. You know, at some point you feel like you'll, you'll be able to get to that, but you can't, you can't do variety defenses without being solid and fundamental on the defensive end. And obviously Toronto has been one of the best defensive teams the last two years. And so their starting point allows them to throw out some different looks as well, because they can always go back to, to where they're really good. Um, but I think they've done a tremendous job of, of being able to take a good defensive team and, and increase their, their presence with uh, some different looks. Hey, and Lloyd, did you, you were there with Embiid and when Ben Simmons came there? Correct. Yeah, we had Ben at LSU and uh, uh, in May's, was he healthy? He was healthy one year when you were there, right? Was it the, the second year? Yeah, I had, second I had year? Ben. He was hurt his first year. And, right. Uh, you know, he was healthy that second year. Yeah, he's one of the most gifted guys I've ever seen uh, at the collegiate level, you know. And uh, it's amazing his uh, his speed is, you know, to see someone at 6'10 do the things he can do is just incredible. What, right. What is it like with, uh, you know, working with a guy like Embiid, uh, you know, who's so talented? You know, I... At the time, those guys, like when we were in Philly, you're getting a lot of young players. Right. And, and it's similar to what I have here in Atlanta. And, you know, the biggest thing is you just have to give them time. You know, anyone that's a top five pick for the most part, um, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount of, of, of talent. Um, and, and, you know, those guys in Philly – we're different. They're all stars. They're, they're they they could go down as champions one day. They, they they can go down as Hall of Famers, and that's the caliber of talent that they have if if healthy for a long period of time. 
And so you, you're always trying to figure out how to keep them competitive. How do they learn the, the NBA level, um, trying to navigate through the length of the season and remaining competitive on a night in and nightly basis. That's the real challenge. It isn't, you know, I'm going to help this guy improve his numbers. They're, they'll figure that out. <laughs> um, it's really, how do you do it on a consistent basis? How do you repeat those performances? That's where you're, you're trying to be creative. You're trying to be communicative with those players and you're trying to challenge them at a level that uh, no one else can because they're special. In your years in the NBA, what's the hardest thing you've found about coaching in the league? Um, you know, everything changes, and it changes often, and it changes quick. You know, you can go from being a favorite to losing a guy over an injury. Uh, and so how do you how do you – how do you maximize that window of opportunity? Uh, because that that's what changes, you know, free agency injuries, your roster and your teams can, can, can quickly change. And the expectations, you, you know, you may get a player and all of a sudden your expectations go up and now you have to manage that. And so, you know, I, I go back to skipping steps and you, you have to be able to, to really truly respect the league and respect the sport and you have to get your players to understand that as well. You know, just because you just got last year's MVP on your roster doesn't make you the favorites. Mm -hmm. it, it makes you, it makes your expectation goes up, go up. It makes your level of focus needing to go up. Uh, it makes your level of chemistry needing to go up and, and maybe faster than you have time for it. But all of those things become important. And so I think if you can educate your players on how to respect the game from the start, of the season and how they approach work, how the standards you have, uh, the way you practice, the attention to detail, um, you know, you have a greater opportunity of succeeding, but that's a, that's a hell of a challenge because yeah. you're mixing in young players, you're mixing in new players and you're dealing with injured players. And I think that's the one thing that just, it's constant. You know, you don't know what's, what bug you're going to get hit with, but you'll get hit with some form of adversity at some point. You know, one of the guys you work with, the USA national team, Steve Kerr, has probably had the best five-year start in it, as a coach in NBA history, right? And then all of a sudden, like you said, no Durant, no Steph Curry, no Clay Thompson, Draymond Green in and out all year. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he wins 15 games, you know, this year right. in a shortened season. That's about the talent. That's about personnel and stuff. But you're right. That's how quickly it can change, you know, uh, on you. And Pat Riley, I remember I coached against him last year. He ever coached at Miami. He won 15 games and 67 losses with Dwayne Wade on his team. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and so it's, it's, it's a hell of a league, a hard league. Prepare like the pros with the new Fast Draw. Fast Draw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content and resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, 
to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. Talk to me about your USA national team experience. I thought, you know, being with Pop, Steve Kerr, Jay Wright, what a terrific experience. I saw you practice out in Vegas for a couple of days. What was that like, you know, with you being on that staff? You know, it was, it was a um, it was a clinic, really. Um, you know, on a lot of things. You know, we, we didn't have a set roster, <laughs> and there was a lot of adversity <laughs> right. going into the summer trying to figure out who was playing and who wasn't going to play and what was going on. And so we were evaluators, and you know, we were trying to you know create this this culture of USA basketball for the first time working together and a lot of us first time working in that in that setting with the FIBA rules um so it was it was a classroom i mean we were we were we were carrying and wearing a lot of different hats uh but it, but what an experience you know i thought we as a staff came together quickly i thought we were all committed uh with the amount of meetings the 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 time spent together uh, the organization, the dinners—it was—it was—it uh, was a hell of a time for me as a coach, but but more importantly to just really connect with all of those guys as people as well. Nothing like a legendary pop dinner, right? I mean, he right, right. <laughs> it's like an educational seminar. I mean, you know, uh, my friend Ed Ray Messina talks about it. How much he loved being at one of those dinners with the players and stuff, and I can only imagine what it was like you know, with the crew that you had there. Uh, but let me ask you this, probably one of the most important things that you've gone through um, this year and this incredible year of 2020, uh, I literally, um, I'm driving from Florida to back to Louisiana and I get a call on a Saturday from my dear friend, Billy Donovan. And he says, I just had the most amazing session and call in my life in my coaching career today and he talked about you talking to all of our fraternity of nba head coaches and talking to them about what they about stepping up and leading uh during this terrible terrible time you know after george floyd's murder can you can you give us a little insight into that um yeah you know it's really just kind of a a call to action by a call to action for, for 30 coaches right. um, about something that's, that's really about leadership and for our players who, who we are responsible for their growth, their development, their maturity, um, their NBA experience. And uh, we've been charged with this, this responsibility as coaches, we've been ch- charged with this responsibility of leadership and, we just embarked upon and we're still involved in one of the most critical times and years of our lives. And so, you know, I was affected personally and emotionally by what was going on, particularly in that week. Um, I was more concerned with what was to come and, and, you know, not being Nostradamus, but uh, who would have ever thought that it would have gotten worse. Yeah. And, And it's gotten worse. And that was really the reason behind it you know before it gets worse let's make sure we're better let's make sure we're doing more to be better uh, because our players are going to need us our teams are going to need us our organizations are going to need us and we're going to need each other and that's what that call was about um, banding together 
um, to provide leadership and to provide education on what we could do as coaches for 30 NBA cities um, to represent our players, our organizations, and ourselves and our families. And that was important at that time, and it's it's proven to be um, one of the greatest things as coaches that we probably will ever do uh, is come together for something like this. You know, I was a vice president of the Coaches Association for 10 years, and it's a great group of a small fraternity, right, of, of people. And Rick Carlisle was on my staff with Chuck Daly with the Nets when he was just starting out to coach, and he has absolutely become a terrific leader uh, and a great advocate. And, you know, and I couldn't be prouder to still be part of that group. But, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I've always said about our players in the league is that I consider coaching and the players as business partners. And so I think this is that's why this was just so important to stand side by side our players, right? Yeah, and that's, I mean, the, the main goal is that um, when we first came together and we talked about supporting our players, you know, we, we knew there was going to be something of importance that we were going to have to address. I, I didn't envision that we'd have to support uh, a player-led strike <laughs> in the middle of playoffs. How about that? But I'm, I'm grateful that uh, our coaches were, were, were prepared. I'm grateful that our coaches were, were organized, and I'm grateful that our coaches were there to support our players uh, because that, that was a huge testament to the, the organization that we've had as, as an association and it, it proved to be um, something the players really needed at the time as well. You know, we have a, a great group, uh, the great leaders in our league, uh, you know, not just great basketball coaches, but tremendous leaders. And uh, and the neat thing, Lloyd, is uh, you're one of them. And, uh, and I'm really proud of what you've done and uh, what you're doing, especially in the great city that I love, Atlanta and stuff. And I can't thank you enough for doing this today because – even no matter if you coach at the high school, college, or professional level, uh, the, you know different team, same problems. And this is you know yeah. you have to really at the high school and college level, same thing. And uh, and I think it's fabulous. You set a great example, and you're a great teacher. And uh, I thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that, Lloyd. And uh, listen, uh, I hope you have a great, great bubble experience. And I look forward to uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks again. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it, Lloyd Pierce, a dynamic individual, a terrific coach, a young rising star, but most importantly, uh, as I like to use the term, he's a man's man, and what a leader. And I'm so, so happy as an NBA coach in the great city of Atlanta, we have Lloyd there. And uh, this is what it's about. When you get a team, it's not about how many games you're winning or things like that. It's about how you're leading and how you're teaching. And Lloyd Pierce is a consummate leader and coach. Uh, Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. 